0: Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair and Panoply that proves that award season really is a year-round event. I'm Katie Rich, the deputy editor of VanityFair.com, and I'm here with Vanity Fair's film critic, Richard Lawson. Hello. And filling in for Mike this week is a very special guest, Decider.com's Joe Reed. Hi. Joe, you are the only person we didn't have to uh, twist your arm to come talk about the Oscars in That's June. <laughs> uh, so we <laughs> appreciate I think
2: you're also our first Pete.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Whoa. No, you're like I am very uh, You're up on the yeah. wall of honor. You're, the, a little you're like Joan
2: Rivers.
1: Or, uh, man. Uh, oh, man, take yeah. that, Donald Gleason. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're the, you're the Billy Crystal of, uh, of our <laughs> awards podcast. Well, since you're here, uh, we decided to do an expanded version of the game we play at the end of every episode, where we uh, look back at Oscar history and change it. Except uh, this time, uh, thanks to your expert knowledge, we we're going to kind of look at the ripple effect. And if you give an Oscar to someone in a different year, which is what we do at the end of every episode, uh, what happens in the years after that? We'll kind of see what transpires from there and then from there we'll dive into another aspect of Oscar history which is their terrible track record with rewarding comedies and it shows no signs of stopping anytime soon as indicated by a couple of new releases that are comedies and very well reviewed that have no Oscar buzz at all the Oscars eventually learned to accept sci-fi as we know Uh, so what's the hold up on comedies But before we get started, I wanted to, instead of the weekend Oscar news, because the weekend Oscar news is pretty slow, uh, I wanted to look at last weekend's big movie, X-Men Apocalypse, which Richard, you and I both saw. And Joe, you
1: are aware of the X-Men, I assume. I I will be seeing it. Sometime soon. <laughs> you can't
0: resist Oscar Isaac in blue makeup. Well, it's the, week,
2: it's the week in Oscar Isaac news. That's,
0: true. Yes, no, that's oh, true. Yeah, if yeah, we want yeah. to rebrand that for the summer, I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. perfectly fine. <laughs> if he just poses with more dogs in his coat.
1: <laughs> right. Um, Big Blue Men is the new podcast title. <laughs> <Right. It's> perfect.
0: <laughs> so this movie has probably a better cast than any superhero movie. I mean, superhero movies now all have good casts as default, but this yeah. franchise in particular has been picking up people. it got Jennifer Lawrence and Michael Fassman, are kind of both before they were huge stars. Now it's got Oscar Isaac. Um, Richard, you saw this movie like. Did anyone embarrass themselves, and was anyone actually a standout? Is there anyone good in this movie?
2: I mean, I a lot of people are down on this movie. I'm up on it. I I, I really like I, when I wrote my review. I, I, I had to sort of admit my own bias. Like, I I didn't read the Avengers comics as a kid. I did watch the X Men cartoon, mm. and so I do have a a slight personal sort of preference for the X Men. I love Days of Future Past, the movie. That came right before it was this on your one. top
0: 10 for that year, wasn't it? It
2: was number 10, yeah. I really like that movie. So, um, this movie is silly, and I think if anyone's embarrassing themselves, it might be Oscar Isaac. <laughs>
0: I was really um, worried he would embarrass himself. I feel like he just skated on the other side of the
2: well, line. Well, I mean, I, I think it takes that kind of talented, ap- like appealing, Juilliard trained actor to sell what is really one of the more ridiculous characters in superhero-dom, like movie-dom anyway. So yeah, I mean, there was high uh, embarrassment potential there. He didn't really... I think everyone else I think that you know there's a whole bunch of new kids in this movie mm-hmm. um, Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones who plays Sans on that show. Love, yeah. She's Jean Grey and um, I thought she was great. Yeah, I really liked, I really her. liked her. And I've heard think, a yeah. lot
0: of people being really skeptical like saying that mm-hmm. she was really flat and she does kind of have a like a low key affect. I think but that's it kind it of works. her thing though.
2: Yeah. yeah, she's a little Kristen Stewarty in that mm, way. Indeed. Um I Ty Sheridan who's been an up and coming young actor for a while now since Mud I think or no yeah. B- Tree, of, Tree of Life rather. He was oh, in that for Oh Yeah, he's right. one yeah. of the kids in Tree of Life. Um, he he plays a young Cyclops. He's good and he's great. Cody Smith McPhee from uh, the, um, road and... the, the Road and The uh, Road and that Slow West. Uh-huh. Uh, he right. plays Nightcrawler. He's great. I
0: didn't recognize him at all until the. No, Christmas. I had
2: to look it up on yeah, IMDb. Yeah, I assumed yeah. he was some
0: German teenager who got <laughs> Nightcrawler. Just,
2: just some random German teen <laughs> that Brian Singer found. Uh, let's not talk about that. Um, yeah, I moving don't know. Past, I think it, he, he he those movies are really well cast, and I think that uh, you know Marvel has the, the or the Avengers movies. Have the strength of being. They have a bunch of really good, like, kind of pithy, fun actors. The X Men movies have really like dark, sort of, I don't know, Shakespearean actors. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it had Ian and,
0: McKellen and Patrick Stewart to right. start with. Yeah, so yeah. that's
2: kind of like the 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 DNA, the blueprint for it. And they've really kind of c- continued that. And uh, but you know, the the movies also have some some levity and wit to them. I think um, Evan Peters. Mm -hmm. came back for this he plays quicksilver uh, as opposed to aaron johnson's quicksilver in the avengers 2
0: who was killed off pretty quickly
2: evan peters in this world quicksilver is alive and played by uh, evan peters from american horror story and as he had in days of future past there's like a slow-mo sort of sequence because he moves really fast maybe
0: the best scene in the movie it's so good yeah
2: it's so good um and he's really he like adds a lot of kind of humor into the movie but otherwise it's this kind of serious like
1: yeah, I hear you know, I hear Auschwitz and, plays a uh, key yeah. part. Auschwitz.
0: Uh, yeah. If yeah. anyone
2: embarrasses themselves, it's it Auschwitz. might be Auschwitz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. Well, the, the reason I wanted to talk about it is just because I think Michael Fassbender like is like legitimately great in it. Like, it, yeah. and it, the Magneto is a fascinating character. It's a very well written character. Like, if this, we've seen so many Marvel movies where the villain kind of comes in and out, and you just like you don't remember who was there. But Magneto, there's a reason that th- that character has lingered for so long, and he's great in this part and you mm-hmm. just watch him and you like you see him taking it seriously while at the same time like maybe Jennifer Lawrence like see, like she is good in it but maybe seems a little done with the franchise yeah. and Michael Fassbender probably is too but uh he's really giving his all to this cat- character in the meantime and yeah. the Auschwitz scene is really powerful as insane as it is and even though it's got Olivia Munn in like the worst superhero costume of who all time who also
2: does not embarrass herself
1: even though <laughs> no. again the potential is high and her yeah. character yeah. is yeah.
0: terrible
1: yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah joe are we selling you on X-Men at all. I
1: mean, I was already kind of sold on it. It's interesting to me to hear that Fastbender is still committed. Whereas, like, because I can, I mean, when you say that, like, Jennifer Lawrence seems checked out, I kind of am just like, well, I can't blame her.
2: She's essentially reading cue cards off camera. She's I mean, in, like, her, it's, it's she's in
1: this is what, their seventh franchise movie between oh, yeah, this no, she, and Hunger Games. Oh, yeah, she signed yeah. on
0: for way too much, way too fast, and who can blame her for being ready to get
1: out? Well, right. And I mean, who could blame her for signing on in the first place? Oh, because, yeah. Because, like, you just, like, you take what you can and get. And she booked
2: yeah. X Men before Hunger Games, I believe. Right, so, I think so, yeah, yeah.
1: So, I mean, yeah, I, you could see where she would want to be done with it. But it's interesting to me that I think Fastbender and McAvoy, I think those movies, to the that I've liked them and I have rise and fall with the camaraderie of those two and I think you you know we talk about like Oscar nominated actors being in this I'm really ready for James McAvoy to get something I know that will get him some sort of Oscar traction because I do feel like he is an incredibly gifted and charismatic actor and it's I don't feel like he's stuck playing Xavier but I feel like this does seem to be sometimes the only thing he's getting where like Fassbender's getting this and yeah. lots of other things
0: yeah McAvoy he and Fassbender don't have a lot of scenes together in this but they the ones that they have are really good and yeah. McAvoy seems like the most likely to stick around like it seemed it seems based so the way the movie goes and yeah. like you know it's like not a bad gig and he can sure. be there and like he can, can know, sit down the whole time now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he has to wear a bald cap but you know yeah. that's you fine know, yeah. Yeah, he uh, he is also a continued highlight of these movies, and I'm with you. I, I was really pulling for his Atonement Oscar nomination. And yeah, it didn't happen, he's so and, good uh, in that Ever movie. since then, yeah.
2: yeah. He's great in a little Danny Boyle movie, that, who's, the name of which I can't remember anymore, but it's about like art theft. Oh, God. Movie? Oh, oh. With Trance. Constant. Trance, yeah. right? Weird little movie. We movies, saw but that he, together, we Richard. Did. You and yeah, yeah, 59th yeah. Street. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I
0: definitely never saw that movie. Yeah.
2: yeah. He's great in it. He's just a good actor, and I agree with you. I I, I don't think he's getting lost on the franchise, but I think that Fassbender is so striking in this yeah. more interesting role yeah. that maybe McAvoy doesn't get as appreciated for his like sturdy kind of yeah.
0: You know, it's like uh, it's like you're Jesus and Jesus Christ superstar, but then someone else gets to play Judas.
2: <laughs> when I was in college, we did Godspell, and um which also has a Jesus and Judas, and they were played by twins. And <gasps> no! It was, it, was, it was really intense. That's yeah. really... What an
1: interpretation yeah. of the text. Yeah. I love <laughs> it, it. was a little confusing in a way, but, yeah. Because <laughs> they looked exactly Yeah, alike. they were identical twins. One of them
0: gets a <laughs> scarf, and that's the only way you can tell apart. <laughs> right.
1: Like a pink lady's scarf? Like that kind probably. of thing? Probably, like, yeah. Okay. Probably
0: made out of silk. Um, yeah, X-Men Apocalypse, uh, Joe, go see it, and then report back on um, who you think is the MVP. If, if you I'll, say Olivia Munn, I'll be... I'll come
1: back with my Olivia <laughs> Munn Oscar buzz. You'll all be, like, incredibly shocked. <laughs>
0: Some of you spoke to the police about what you believe you witnessed here yesterday. You want to know my powers.
2: Know who I am. See
1: what I can do. Think of the person you love most in your life. Now that person will know what it is to lose someone they love.
0: Henrik, proszę cię. Nie rób tego.
1: My name isn't Henrik.
2: My name is Magneto.
0: So I don't know if this is a game that everybody else plays, but when you gather together people who follow the Oscars obsessively like we do, this comes up where you kind of look back at an Oscar year where either you think the wrong guy won or you just kind of want to play around with history and say, okay, what would happen if this person had won the Oscar that year instead? And you can think about, you know, giving your favorite star an Oscar that they haven't gotten. But then you kind of have to consider the ripple effect. Like if they won that year, then did they not win later on or did another person win later on? Uh, Joe, you have... Played this thought experiment with me at least a couple of times. Yeah, it's uh,
1: one of my favorite sort of like idle parlor <laughs> games to do because it's it's pure speculation, but it's also like it plays into everything that we sort of know about the Oscars in that it's not just about giving the best performance; it's about time and and opportunity and and who's seemed owed and who has seemed to be in the right place at the right time. So it's like that ripple effect, like you say, is very interesting to imagine.
0: Yeah, how the Oscars are bigger than just the awards, how they are kind of stories unto themselves and affect things going forward. Like if Jennifer Lawrence doesn't win her Oscar for Silver Linings Playbook, like you see, you know, what you know, happens with happens. Does with she her. end
1: up winning for American Hustle or... and all of a sudden Lupita Nyong'o is there without an Oscar?
0: Okay, yeah. See, there you go. Perfect example to start with. Yeah. Uh, so we wanted to do a couple of these and uh, like I actually, Joe, I, wanted, I, I wrote down a couple of starters but I kind of wanted to see which one you had in your uh, in your idea hopper. For sure.
1: <laughs> so the one that I always come back to is Al Pacino in 1974 because oh uh, 1974, okay. a famously very, very strong best actor year. You had Pacino for The Godfather Part II. You had Nicholson for Chinatown. You had Dustin Hoffman for Lenny, the Lenny Bruce movie. Albert Finney for Midnight Ex- uh, or Murder on the Orient Express. And then the winner was a surprise sort of sentimental favorite. It was Art Carney in Harry and Tonto, which I would be very surprised if any of us at this table had seen, yeah, it was, I was gonna say you would be Antonio. the one who would have seen it. If anyone, so Art Carney wins. It's kind of this like surprise, sentimental favorite. In me- and then Pacino, you know, famously goes another two decades without winning any Oscars. And so by the time 1992 comes along, he's incentive a woman. He's the sentimental favorite. He ends up winning. So I always play that what if is if what if Pacino wins for Godfather Part Two? I you know arguably his most mm-hmm. iconic role, Michael Corleone. Then in 1992, because who's the big snub in 92 when Pacino gets his? Is Denzel Washington?
0: Yeah, so this, uh, so I'm looking at it. It's Denzel Washington, also Robert Downey Jr.'s. Uh, that would have been Oscar for Malcolm nomination. X. For yeah. Malcolm
1: X, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which there was like a big, big deal about that. I think there was a really strong push behind Denzel to win that. He
0: wasn't the first Black Best Actor nominee, but not maybe the second, like after Sidney Poitier or something.
1: He would have been, yeah, he would have been the second to win it. He still ended up when he went, ended yeah. up winning for Training Day. He was the the second uh, Black Best Actor. Yeah, but he winner. he
2: he did have an Oscar at that point already. But he, he did was for supporting. It was for, Corey, for supporting,
1: yeah. right? And it's. even going into that Oscars the buzz was possible that Pacino would win supporting for Glengarry Glen Ross that would free up Denzel to oh. win for Malcolm X. Didn't but that happen.
0: requires the thinking about the Academy that we always fall into. It's like, okay, well, they'll all throw their weight behind this, right. like a strategic thinking that doesn't happen when you've oh, got yeah. 5,000 people
1: voting. Right, exactly. And that's why this game is so interesting because it's like it's pure speculation. It has no need to be tethered to, you know, any kind of scrutiny in yeah, terms of it's like- it's June. Hotels. Why would
0: we be realistic about the Oscars?
1: And then so if Denzel wins in 92, does he then, is there that push for him to win for training day in 01, which makes me think- Russell Crowe then would have won two Oscars in a row, mm. which is very interesting to think about because yeah.
2: that would have been for *The Insider*.
1: For uh, that would have been for, for *A Beautiful Mind*, which beautiful won Nine. Best Picture of right. that year. Because he had won for *Gladiator* the year before, and he there was he was kind of the front runner for a while that year. And then it seemed like people were like, "We don't need to give him two in a row." And there's Denzel, and this is a really good story right here. Yeah, and everybody really loved that performance anyway. Because you look at *Training Day*, that's not so much an Oscar-y movie. It's a very sort it's of like not at all, right? So. So it's kind of like it was very much an Oscar that went to Denzel, the person, Denzel, the star, Denzel, the sort of, yeah. like, everything he represented.
2: Let's not forget that Ethan Hawke got an Oscar nomination He that, sure too, did, which is, which is, like, that yeah. supporting
1: actor class that year, we should, like, delve into that sometime, because, like, John Voight for Ali is such an odd performance to get is nominated. Is that that Alec
0: Baldwin got that weird nomination? That was
1: 03 for okay. The Cooler, which is always the one I forget whenever I'm trying to remember, like, all of the ones for that year. I'm sure he forgets it. Yeah, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. So, what, but you had one with uh, Julia Roberts okay. The Fulcrum, right? Okay.
0: Yeah, so it, it requires so much research. I'm, like, going through all these Wikipedia entries. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I feel like like Julia Roberts was nominated for Pretty Woman back in 1990, which is, like, her big breakthrough performance. Like, that's the kind of uh, Oscar role that wins a lot for women. Like, the big ingenue. That's the Jennifer sure. Lawrence win. That's the... Um, That's another recent like – or Brie Larson win, like someone who's like emerged on the scene in that way. But uh, she loses to Kathy Bates for Misery, which is like a really fascinating win in itself. That's Um, another
1: genre. I mean when do you ever see horror, you know – Scoring at the Oscars in that way, yeah. It's I mean, very do, you, do you know the
0: story behind like why that happened for Kathy Bates?
1: I was a mere lad of ten, then, <laughs> so sometimes
0: I, you know these. I, things. I do.
1: That's true. Sometimes I do. I'm t- just talking about '74, where I was, you know, I know, not on this planet at the time. I don't. I have a feeling it was probably. Uh, I mean, there was she was a character actress who had been. Working been for a little bit a at long the time. time yeah. I have a feeling she was probably very well liked. And that was one of those performances that did transcend genre in terms of everybody was talking about it. Yeah. Everybody was talking. She had the catchphrases. She had yeah. the like yeah. that movie was like a phenomenon. And she was the phenomenon of that movie. Well, and and the-
2: industry wise, she had um, had a bunch of theater acclaim. I yeah. Think yeah, she yeah. Did Night Mother and a couple other things. Yeah. And so she had a little bit of momentum going into yeah. that movie. And everyone's like, all right, she's it. Like, she's great. And let's give her Oscar, but it is a weird win.
1: It is. Yeah. It's very interesting well, to look back, especially because Pretty Woman for Julia Roberts still does stand out so much as her iconic. One of her iconic performances. So,
2: Katie, if she wins for that,
1: so
0: then if Julia Roberts wins for that, then she probably doesn't win for Aaron Brokovich. Like I don't it think was, so. that movie was a huge hit, and it was an Oscar nom- uh, best picture nominee, and you know Soderbergh was like emerging on the scene. But like, I don't think that she. Ha- it's the same thing with Denzel. Really, it's yeah. like the chance to finally. So reward much of this that person. push
1: was like, it's time. It's Julia's yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs>
0: which is so funny that that like you know, Julia Roberts was fine without an Oscar, but yeah. You know, Although it was it's time. interesting
1: because her her run through the '90s had like. Multiple like ups and downs and comebacks. Like, she had to come back. Like, my best friend's wedding was a comeback for her from like the Mary Riley era. Mm -hmm. And then between my best friend's wedding and Aaron Brockovich, it seemed like she had another sort of like dip in there. And then, like, Aaron Brockovich felt like a coming out, or at least a coming out from like it's not a romantic comedy it's this sort yeah, of like, like more it's, dramatic it's role. thing. It
2: introduced like new like pointy kind of prickly Julia.
1: Yes which is I um, mean. Which she has not I really gotten rid of. I so. adore her performance in that movie. I think it's one of my favorite performances that I've ever seen by an actress. I think she's so great. It's such a So you
0: would. So if you were doing it just on Merit you would still give it to her for Julia Rob- uh, for uh, Aaron Brockovich.
1: Uh, that, that's an incredibly strong cast of uh, nominees that's her that was Ellen Burstyn for Requiem my mm-hmm. vote would have gone to Laura Linney for You Can Count on Me. Yeah. Which is maybe my favorite actress nomination of that entire decade. I think she's wow. so fantastic. That was Juliette Binoche for lot, which Indeed. is like a crazy nomination, but like it's Juliette
0: That Binoche movie got a Best Picture nomination. <laughs>
1: yeah, but I think if if Julia doesn't win that year, I think maybe you get Ellen Burstyn getting a second one. Like she was yeah. so well liked in that movie despite that movie being a lot impossible for people to, to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then Joan Allen for the contender, which was kind of like right. my thought because I like I know like there's so many people who like, think about Joan Allen not having an Oscar and just like shaking their heads and because
2: she was nominated three times in a very short period of time and right? we would
1: have never expected that that would have been it for her. Yeah, and it really like, and, it, was. and it really was, which is yeah. I always go back to 2005, which was a fairly kind of squishy week year for best actress and that she didn't get any kind of traction for that movie the upside of anger mm-hmm. which she's oh, yeah. so good in but that was a movie that stayed sort of resolutely off of Oscars if that radar. movie had
2: been on lifetime or hbo she would have won an emmy and a golden globe well but and if wasn't. that movie
1: had been directed by like mike nichols or yeah. rob reiner or anybody who was sort of like not Mike Binder, <laughs> right? Exactly. I think yeah. also. I think also it gets in. So
0: yeah, yeah two thousand five. Just looking at it, like when you talk about it being a squishy year, that's Reese Witherspoon winning for Walk the Line, the the kind of performance that like is a supporting actress contender in a lot right. of other kinds of years, and she gets to come into Best Actress because
1: because there was a, there wasn't that there much going Yep, exactly. What
0: if he'd given it to Kara Knightley instead? for Pride and Prejudice uh, Happy would maybe be? then John Carney would John have shut Curry up about her Jesus
1: shut Lord up. <laughs> oh God um, one other one I always think of is 1998 when it was that was the big Gwyneth Paltrow sort of like coronation mm-hmm. year but people forget that like Kate Blanchett was running neck and neck with her yeah. for a while they both won Golden Globes that year and that was Blanchett also was that was her sort of announcement to the world that like you know this is here's this imagine actress. that
2: being your announcement uh, i'm queen elizabeth I'm uh, right.
1: exactly <laughs> exactly yeah.
0: i mean kind of was it was like holy don't fuck
2: with her but that was yeah. an interesting year too from a non-acting perspective in terms of best picture where you know the the kind of assumed winner was saving private ryan and then shakespeare in love snuck yeah. in and, and mm-hmm. got it and i think that like that was not the first time that the harvey weinstein machine had sort of belched into being i mean i think english patient yeah. certainly yeah. a few years prior but I think it was the first time that, pe- that kind of um, more sort of the hoi polloi, like the masses kind of were like, wait, what, who is this Weinstein guy? And <laughs> yeah. like, what
1: is he doing? I've like, recently rewatched that Oscars because, you know, I have that like stack. Of, oh, I, uh, no, yes. yeah. Every yeah. year that Richard recaps
0: yeah. the Oscars Manifair, credit to of Vanity Fair, it's because Well, that's
1: my friend, uh, my good friend, Nick Davis. So shout out to him for burning oh. all those up for me from his VHS tapes, which is like that's could not be more perfect. But so I watched that uh, Oscar ceremony semi recently. And it's Richard's right in that everybody going in felt like this is saving Private Ryan's Oscar to lose. And then Shakespeare in Love winning was an upset. But you watch that ceremony. It's insane to think that anything else could have won because really? they were like it, the, the tone of that entire evening was very Shakespeare in Love. Most of Whoopi Goldberg's jokes in the in her hosting were very like Shakespearean love focused like you watch that n- ceremony now and it's like oh that was the zeitgeist movie like saving we had moved on from Saving Private Ryan and she yeah because Saving Private Ryan had come out that
2: summer right yeah uh, and and when when Whoopi came out dressed as Queen Elizabeth she was dressed as Judy Dench in Shakespeare in love not as Kate Blanchett in right. Elizabeth <laughs> right yeah
1: yeah, yeah. that it, sort it, of pancake makeup kind oh, of right. uh, yeah
2: but I wonder like so if, if it hadn't won if, if Saving Private Ryan had sort of you know pulled it out in the end would that have? Do you think that would have affected the kind of Weinstein machine? Like, or would people be as scared of it and or in, as in
1: awe of it as they kind of became? It's possible. It it could be that we end up thinking of DreamWorks a little bit differently because then DreamWorks wins
0: for American Beauty for American
1: Beauty the yeah. next year, and that sort of like that was maybe their heyday like lasts a little bit longer, and that, yeah, or Weinstein just like gets goes that much harder for. Cider House rules the next year. And maybe <laughs> that's the one where we look back and just like, Wow, how did the Cider House rules ever win? Oh my god, because what Fisher, if the Cider House
0: rules right won
1: Best Picture?
2: Pass me the ether. I don't,
0: I don't know. <laughs> Jeez. And I mean I, you know, the Weinstein thing continues up to this day, like they haven't had a great last couple of years at the Oscars, but like the artist, you know, and the King's speech right. like snuck up on us the well, same way. The King's way. speech
1: was another one where everybody went and looked talking social network mm-hmm. and then you look it back and it's like, Well, of course the King's Speech one. Like it has like all these very Oscar things going for it. I yeah.
2: think that you know I've talked about it before on this podcast, but like, uh, I think that uh, at least for, for me, I have this sort of recurring amnesia when uh-huh. you get into Oscar season. You are like, no, I think I think the intellectual, artistic <laughs> one is going. It's like, no, Richard, it oh, that yeah. never pans out. But this year it <laughs> did, so now like, well, we're well, all true, so rethinking. Who the heck yeah. knows?
0: Yeah, and Spotlight's on Netflix yeah. now, as I learned from you. So, uh,
2: uh um speaking of the Weinstein's, this is a little bit of a digression, but um normally uh, they do a big presentation at Cannes, mm-hmm. um, and they show some trailers and and have a couple stars sort of, you know.
0: Last year they were really selling you on Southpaw.
2: They were really selling us last year on Southpaw and Sienna Miller who was also – they? Were, but they were both on the, uh, the jury, oh, so they were both in we town. But yeah. um, they did not have a presentation this year. Really? It's, it's just the things over there are not in good shape. So, uh, yeah, so it, that, that was kind of an interesting, you know, just talking about the ascendancy of the Weinstein era, yeah. uh, and, and now it seems, you know, however many years later to be on the Wayne.
1: And but, it feels like now there's a little bit of a void in terms of, like, an Oscar – power player. Like, it it seems like we're not really... A24 is trying to get there. Sure, but I just mean even just, like, a person, like, coalescing around, like, a person. Or, like, yeah, I guess A24 is still... On the way up. Like, yeah. it feels like we it doesn't feel like we're sort of looking at 824 just like stomping down the road ready to like sort of.
0: Yeah. well, Yeah. They seem to have they don't seem to have the like, same kind of taste that like the Weinstein taste of like here's chocolate. Like, here's a sentimental thing that you will love. Right.
1: Like, say what you will about Harvey Weinstein. But like he knew where exactly to hit Oscar voters. Yeah. And yeah.
0: Um. All right. Let's do one more because we could do this all day and start talking about Well, her I sort Oscar of started campaigns. to talk about
1: Blanchett and Paltrow. Yeah. So if Blanchett beats Paltrow in 1998, Blanchett's already won an Oscar going into 2004, and maybe they don't... Which, is when, she that won push, supporting which is when she won for supporting for The Aviator, which was a well-received performance, but people forget, like, she didn't win that Golden Globe. That was Natalie Portman for Closer. Oh. And Natalie Portman, then maybe if she ends up going on and winning the Oscar that year, then she's not going into 2010 with the idea that she's owed. And sometimes... When you win a supporting, sometimes people are like, oh, she's a movie star. She should be a Best Actress winner. Sometimes that does happen.
0: That does feel but, weird whenever like a big movie star is one Oscar as yeah, a supporting
1: thing. But maybe then that gives Annette Benning enough a little bit uh, wiggle oh. room there in 2010. And maybe now Annette Benning has an Oscar Poor for The Kids Are All Right. I know.
2: She's somewhere in like Los Angeles. She just like just w- woke up. To the start <laughs> I know. At the mention of this,
0: is the whole point of this exercise yeah. to give Annette Benning an Oscar? <laughs> yeah. or is that what we're all
1: for? <laughs> yeah. If if we can't give Joan Allen one, then at least we can give Annette Benning one. Although my my controversial opinion about Annette Benning is that she's never been the best in her category. Whenever she's been nominated, mm. even Ooh. though I oh, I think she's a fantastic actor. I think every time she's been beat. There's been it's been a fair, fair win. It's been a fair win. She got beat by well, Goldberg and Ghost in 1990, which right. like, say what you will. I think that's one of those like Marissa Tomei and My Cousin Vinny performances that doesn't get enough credit because it's comedy.
2: Well, it, that will lead into our next conversation. But yeah. 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 And then well, she lost to Hillary Swank
1: twice. Twice. <laughs> yeah. Um, at <laughs> least one of those. I think Hillary Swank and Boys Don't Cry is unimpeachable. I think she's yeah. so good. And. Annette Benning and Being Julia is fine, but like, can you imagine if Annette Benning's Oscar?
0: I know that was for Being really Julia. You really want her to just go up against Hillary's A million dollar baby with the American Beauty performance? Yes. And just swap them. Yeah. Because yes, then totally. it's a totally fair. Yeah. Fight. Listen, if but, we're breaking
1: all the rules, of
2: time, <laughs> I mean, Being Julia not. might just be called like, please give Annette Benning an Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> that that
1: movie. Is <laughs> but so people shameless. have won it's sort of Oscars her, for less? Uh, uh, Iron yeah. Lady. Like, it's sort of her Iron yeah. Lady, and it's yeah. weird now that we think of Meryl Streep. I think it's weird. I think some people view that performance a little bit more favorably than I do. Um, the, the Iron, Iron Lady, Lady, or, uh, the Iron oh, Lady. but I always think it's going to be strange when we look back at Meryl Streep's career and she's like well she won for Kramer versus Kramer and she won for Sophie's Choice and she won for The Iron Lady Indeed. That's, yeah.
0: and then if Viola Davis gets an Oscar that year like maybe we don't get how to Get away with murder no, but maybe, you know, that would kind of be maybe Viola
1: Davis doesn't get her Fences Oscar this year if that's the case
0: oh is that so, what's going to happen that's, I
1: don't know that's the
2: word Yeah. No. That's,
1: that's what I'm that's Mike if I had to put money down right now it's a great role on Viola Davis and Fences and yeah.
2: she's done it on stage
1: God, someone's going to yell at me for talk, get, handing out Oscars before movies are even made. But what, you know what? What is
0: the point of this podcast if not to do I will, that? It's
1: fun. I just think it's fun. <laughs> it is.
2: <laughs> Where's Daphne? Let's get her down here. She's in the back. Her tails in the tail.
0: Ah! Oh,
1: but I still smell her. Women. What could you say?
0: Who made them? God must have been a fucking genius. So as we mentioned briefly in the previous segment, when you come into the Oscars with a comedy, and this happens from time to time, like people get nominated for comedic performances. I reminded myself last night, as I do from time to time, that jo- Joan Cusack got nominated for In-N-Out, which yeah. is a miracle uh, and amazing. But it can be really hard to compete. Like you come in and you're Melissa McCarthy and you get nominated for Bridesmaids, but you know, no one actually thinks you're going to win. And right. if you're a movie, the same rules apply. Like every now and then a comedy will get nominated, but A, is kind of like a dark or fancy comedy like the Grand Budapest Hotel in 2014 yes. and B, you're almost never going to actually win it. And we like with the nice guys out in theaters right now, I thought it would be an interesting time to talk about it because the nice guys has been very well reviewed. It's got big stars in it. It's made some money. You know, it's fine. Yeah. It's coming out in May, but so did the Grand Budapest Hotel. So did Gladiator for that matter, for that matter. But no one's giving any Oscar chatter like at all, I think, because it's violent. A And also because it's a comedy. Like I think it's just being – it's putting itself on this level and even though it premiered at canon, it's got all this prestige behind it that no one's going to give it a second thought. And I mean, Joe, with The Nice Guys in particular, can you think of – is there any reason other than Oscar comedy bias that this is happening?
1: Well, it's a comedy and it's not the right kind of comedy, which you sort of began to touch on. I feel like with the Oscars, you can't just be a comedy. You have to sort of be like a comedy plus. You have to be a comedy that is – a little darker or a little uh, more stately or a little more like you need to have sort of something else. You have to either be that kind of broadcast news comedy, which is like a fantastic comedy, but it's also, you know, speaks to, you know, the media era and Mm -hmm. it sort of talks about a lot of other different things. The artist is a comedy, but it's also a silent movie homage and it's, you know, a love letter to Hollywood and that kind of thing. Um, Shakespeare in love is a comedy but it's literary and it's costumey and whatever whereas the nice guys is just it's a comedy and the other elements are like you said like violence like that doesn't really Mm -hmm. end up appealing too much it's
0: detective movies i feel like don't have a great oscar track record no
1: well i feel like there's still these senses of like is this a movie for money or is this is this a movie for money or is this a movie for awards Mm -hmm. and which that's, is hilarious
0: because they're all for money,
1: of course, that's the thing, and Oscars are to you know to help movies yeah. make even more money. but there is uh, still, I feel like you'll hear it in some of the, like the ol- uh, older film writers who sort of come from a little bit of an older era, and they'll say, you know, well, this is a commercial play rather than a Oscar play, and it's sometimes those lines blur, but I feel like with comedy. That's one of the genres where those lines very rarely blur, mm-hmm. where a comedy can make – like Tropic Thunder made a lot of money, and but it still feels like a little bit of a miracle that Robert Downey Jr. got a nomination out of that movie. Or
2: Melissa McCarthy for Bridesmaids.
1: Yeah, or Melissa McCarthy for Bridesmaids. Those kind of broad comedies are sometimes like – I feel like a supporting nomination is sort of your ceiling
0: there. Mm-hmm. Or a screenplay. A screenplay,
1: screenplay. Rides yeah, screenplay is a lot friendlier to uh, comedy in that way. And I think when you're looking at like in the top 10, up to 10 best picture era, I wouldn't have been shocked if Bridesmaids would have gotten a best picture nominee in 2011. It got a mm-hmm. SAG ensemble nomination and – it was. It felt probably like it was on the cusp that year.
0: Yeah, and looking at it, I mean, in 2011, Midnight in Paris, The Artist, and The Descendants all kind of like fit the comedy mm-hmm. bill. Right, but, but The Descendants
2: is is a perfect example of what Joe's talking yeah. about. That kind of, I mean, it's not James L. Brooks, but it, it's that kind of wistful, mm-hmm. bittersweet comedy that that yeah. you know rewards good acting, Shailene Woodley crying in the pool or whatever. Yeah, yeah. but that is funny. And Alexander know,
1: yeah. Payne is like a filmmaker who is yeah. sort of established himself as such with the Oscars where like Shane Black still feels like he's I mean he's incredibly well regarded and has a great like reputation but he feels a little bit more pot boiler like fanboy kind Mm -hmm. of like that seems to be a little bit more of his reputation where Alexander Payne was making like Sideways which is another it's a comedy but it's very much a comedy with an eye towards performances and there's sadness in there and there's you know but even that that couldn't get a nomination for Paul Giamatti which is shocking yeah yeah so
2: not to put you on the spot Joe but if you had to say like in the last 10-15 years a a really just right down the middle comedy that you think should have gotten awards attention in a perfect world but didn't do you have does anything come to mind the heat the Heat.
1: The Heat is the one that I always oh, – I, yeah. I bore my friends to death with this. But I really do think that was a transcendently fantastic movie with two really great lead actors And a very recent Best Actress winner. And a very recent That's Best Actress winner. That's the Paul winner. Feig, Sandra Bullock, Melissa McCarthy. Yes. Is. I think he yeah. – I mean, yeah. So like it's got all that bridesmaids pedigree. I think it ended up being for me – even funnier than Bridesmaids. And I think the relationship between the McCarthy and bullet characters was enough for me. If you need something that's going to elevate it, I think that uh, elevates it, but it, it is in its guts, a, broad comedy that just wants to make you laugh and it does that very effectively I also feel like if we're completely ignoring genre biases 21 Jump Street was oh yeah absolutely yeah. strong enough to be a best picture nominee yeah that
0: year. Say and two th-
2: great perform- lead performances yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah
0: I would say the same thing for the 40 year old virgin which I still stand by oh it's that's like a good probably one probably yeah. Judd yep. Apatow's best mm-hmm. and it's like the simplest and mm-hmm. doesn't fall into the uh, indulgence Steve Carell is really great in it. Catherine Keener is great in it yeah. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. it's a wonderful movie it really is yeah,
0: yeah. Even uh, last year was not a great movie for comedies, but Spy was so good. Which I know you're a Paul Feig uh, yeah, believer like I am.
1: Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's Rose Byrne. Oh, oh Rose my god, right? Rose yeah. Byrne in that movie. In that just just in that airplane scene alone. Yeah. let Did and you just, have any? Um, off the top of your I, head? You no, know, I not not
2: really. I think Twenty One Jump Street is a good is a good one. You know, I think that I, I, my taste tends toward that sort of James L. Brooksy kind sure. of comedy, anyway. So it's not a bad it, genre. It's, it it's usually really works, good movies. Works out well for me. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, Joe, do you think that are the Golden Globes onto something? I mean, should in the should the Oscars add comedy categories, or do you think that that kind of creates too much confusion?
1: I think we get into a little dicey category uh, uh, area when we talk about what the Oscars should borrow from the Golden Globes. I think ultimately, at the end of the day, if you look at the number of people who watch the Oscars versus the number of people who watch the Golden Globes, it's still like an absolutely like dwarfing number. The Oscars are still the big dog. And I think there are ways I mean, we talk about like there are ways where the Oscars need to modernize and improve. And like we learned that lesson this year big time. But yeah. I think there is value in the Oscars being a little bit of an older, more conservative institution, not in every respect, but in terms of that they're they there's still sort of like that. Award on a hill a little bit that you're Mm -hmm. just sort of like trying to get up to whereas the Golden Globes is great and I will defend the Golden Globes ever and I'm forever and I'm glad that we have them. But I like that they're different. I like that the Globes are different than the Oscars. I think the fact that the Oscar that we should still we should keep pushing for the Oscars to you know be more open to comedies but i think if once you divide that best picture category into two then all of a sudden you're admitting that comedies can't compete on that level yeah bit. right yeah. whereas like the golden globes it's been that way forever and it's a party and it's great the golden globes need to maybe get a little bit better at recognizing pure comedy where oh, they're, we're going to fight about the Martian there well right i think we're going to fight about Michelle Williams in My Week with Marilyn oh, more geez. than anything which Wait, i really was that in the comedy category she won for best actress That's in insane. a comedy yeah,
2: well, uh, well, you know, that hilarious
1: laugh right. riot. <laughs> right, my week with Maryland. Right, like they need to, they need to be less beholden to the studios that want to like cheat their way into. Yeah, I thought The Martian was borderline. I thought it was. If you want to tell me it's a comedy, that's fine. I laughed a lot. I yeah. did. It's a very funny. True though, Goddard, funny guy. I think. Yeah. I think that nomination is when the nom- when The Martian went from being a funny movie to. A dramatic movie because people wanted to, like, go the other way and just be like, The Martian's not a comedy. Do you You think that that was
0: what cost Ridley Scott his uh, Best Director nomination?
1: I don't know if that cost him – if that's what cost him. I think Ridley Scott, just from interviews and things I've seen from him, seems a little bit of a prickly guy and maybe he's not (laughs) – He was
0: lovely as a guest on Little Gold Men, I must say.
1: Then that's – you know. Don't defame our I'm guests. not going to defame. Well,
2: Katie, you and I are very disarming. I think that, I mean, know, that's we true. Have a, like, yeah, we have that charm. You do. About yes. You get the yeah. listen.
1: I'm a <laughs> bastard in real life. We're going to say you didn't get...
0: deserve your Oscar nomination yeah.
1: next week. Listen. <laughs>
0: So I was going to say here and say that I feel like, you know, as we we're talking about the Oscars changing and learning that they need to catch up with the times and, you know, admitting younger people and trying to expanding their membership membership might make them more welcoming to comedy. But yeah. the Oscars have been more welcoming to comedy in the past. I was like looking like some like it hot got like five Oscar nominations. and yeah. It's absurd. <laughs> like Billy Wilder got a best director nomination for that movie. So it's yeah. like it's it might just be a cyclical thing. Like we're just in this period and have been for i mean i guess since annie hall won best picture of yeah thinking that comedies like just had a hard time competing i mean broadcast news is a great example but like we we're saying like it's very funny but also has so much else going on with it yeah so i don't know what it'll take to kind of get everyone to like embrace the bridesmaids and uh the heat of this world
2: well maybe they'll make fence as a comedy yeah <laughs> that makes sense it would be a weird read on the play they're but, still yeah.
1: making it right now like it's not too right. late denzel yeah. just sort of like <laughs> just, you know just,
2: just tweak it a little bit yeah but. exactly
0: you know, and Yorichu can make a comedy. He's a, uh, he's a oh, bander Listen, that
2: sounds so up my alley. <laughs> listen,
1: Birdman was another yeah. Golden Globe winner oh, for comedy. Oh, yeah, that's so. right. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. That, uh, it, so that my... movie's
1: laughable, but... Not...
0: <laughs> Woo! <Whew>. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs>
1: We're yeah. gonna relitigate the Birdman wars. Uh, Mike did some
0: uh, research for us, even though he couldn't be here today, of like looking at comedies that have been nominated in the previous years, and he didn't even include Birdman, which I guess uh, tells you about its comedy bona fides. Uh huh.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, looking back at the list that he put together, like Shakespeare in Love, we can has a comedy. American Beauty, do we like? I don't think that even competed as a comedy of the Golden Globe. I mean that's
1: one of those it's one of those like pitch dark comedies
2: that the yeah. Oscars By Shakespearean standards is a tragedy because it ends with <laughs> yes. death. Yeah. So. Yeah, right, well so right. Shakespeare
0: in Love doesn't really it doesn't end with a marriage so is it even a Yeah that's a problem
2: play they would call that in love. <laughs>
1: <maybe
0: Shakespeare world. laughs> where do we all stand on Shakespeare in Love? We talked about it so much this episode. Oh I adore that movie. I love that movie. I, I okay. think it's okay. a, a very
1: good movie. I think I think it gets caught in that sort of like overrated underrated cycle where people try and renegotiate that Oscar between that and Xavier uh, mm-hmm. Ryan. I think Private Ryan's a fantastic movie, too. And it's, I think, people who love Shakespeare and love sometimes feel like they're under attack from the sort of like the film establishment. That mm-hmm. it's because it's seen that Oscar win is seen like a f- slight movie snaking yeah. an Oscar from a serious movie, which is what would Harvey happen Weinstein. if
0: comedies won more often. Like this, right. we would get even more and more of that,
1: yeah. Yeah, because you get I think you get the sense when you hear certain Oscar voters talk that like there needs to be a sense of import and you don't get that in comedy, even though I feel like comedy is important in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Like a good well-made comedy is great just because it's a good well-made comedy.
0: Well, we can go ahead and nominate Ghostbusters, a uh, totally uncontroversial comedy coming. The,
1: oh, yeah. No. Everyone that. is thrilled about it. Yeah. <laughs>
2: and yeah.
0: I think it's going to do really well. And I think it'll be nominated for Best Picture. And uh, so you can uh, send your letters to me. The uh,
1: I will always have faith in Paul Feig.
0: No, we've talked about Paul Feig so much. Like, yeah. We're going, Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, the future of comedy is the, all about women.
1: The
2: Leslie Jones Oscar campaign starts Right now, Let's yeah. Any happen, other everybody. Oscar
0: campaigns you guys want to start before we wrap up? We got Viola Davis. We got uh, Leslie Jones.
1: I mean, listen, I've got uh, fences and Best Picture musical or comedy. Right? We've we've got started that, that uh, <laughs> <Val> <laughs> rolling, sewn up. <laughs> is, it mus- is it musical yeah. now too? Just yeah. In- listen, yeah. There, again, we could add any elements we want to. Infinite right possibilities. possibilities. Yeah.
2: This time, the boots
1: are coming off. What have I done, Mister Penny? When
2: the theaters have all been closed down by the plague?
1: Oh, that. By order of the master of the revels, Mr. Fenniman, allow me to explain about the theatre business. <coughs> the natural condition is one of insurmountable obstacles on the road to imminent disaster. So what do we do? Nothing. Strangely enough, it all turns out well. How? I don't know. It's a mystery. Shall I kill him, Mr. Fenniman? The
0: theatres are reopened by order of the master of the revels. The jitters-
1: Elliman, Mr. Tilney has reopened the playhouses. If he wouldn't mind. Where's the play? Oh, it's coming.
0: It's coming. That does it for this week's Little Gold Men. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you can, please rate us and review us on iTunes. It helps us find new listeners who can uh, join us in these nonsense Oscar spe- speculation conversations in the summer. Because what else are you going to do with your summer movie season? You can find me and Richard writing at VanityFair.com. And uh, you can find Joe at Decider.com. Thank you. Uh, and you can follow all of us on Twitter. I'm at Katie Rich. Richard? Uh, Laws. And Joe, Joe Reed, and Joe, uh, anything else you want to plug while we have you, since you are
1: a special guest? Um, I can't think of anything else. <laughs> uh, I'm going <gonna,
2: laughs> to plug something for you. Oh, Joe. plug something for me. Uh, Joe on Decider.com started a series where he looks back. Uh, it, it's called the Gay We Were. Is it is right? called the Gay <laughs> We Were. Yeah. Where he yes. looks back at the really amazing and varied, and sometimes bad, sometimes great uh, history of sort of 90s gay cinema. So, Broken Hearts. Broken Hearts
1: Club. I talked about Billy's Hollywood Screen Kiss. That sort of like 90s gay rom-com genre. That sort of that was so really
2: specific subgenre of movies. I
1: think if you if you were gay in the 90s, you remember like those movies were your sort of oases of like that's where you would find. Movies about You sort of sheepishly yeah.
2: put that between two other movies at the video store. And-
1: yeah, so <laughs> yeah. once every other week, I've got a, I've got one of those out. So yeah, follow me uh, at decider.com or at uh, Joe Reed. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's a great series Thank and, you, and really fun to read. so Thanks. Yeah.
0: This episode was produced by Sam Dingman and edited by Tim Einenkel. And thanks to Laura Mayer and Annie Bowers at Panoply. And this week's award for best question that screenwriters ask themselves instead of sitting down to write goes to Joe Reed.
1: Is this a movie for money or is this a movie for awards. Know that fizzy feeling you get when you
0: read something really good, watch the movie everyone's been talking about, or catch the show the internet can't get over? At the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast, we chase that feeling five times a week. We talk about the buzziest movies, TV, music, books, and more. From lowbrow to highbrow to in between, catch the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR.